This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And the Pope has come out swinging. The Pope is out there making all sorts of uh, criticism and critiques against conservative Catholic bishops in America. Isn't that crazy? The Pope, Pope Francis, he teed off on U.S. conservatives in a private remark that's been caught on tape. And this newly released transcript shows that Pope Francis was very critical of conservative uh, bishops in the United States who he says have replaced their faith with ideology. And it's interesting because that is the critique most conservatives have of Pope Francis right? and, and the previous pope as well, that they've replaced their faith and the, the uh, adherence to the red letters in the Bible with their ideology, their liberation theology, if you will, sympathy towards communism and whatnot. So this is an ongoing debate, and we've had some really good conversations with uh, a lot of different authors that have written on this topic extensively. But Pope Francis says that he's got some beef with some members of the Catholic Church in the United States, and this is according to NBC News. And he didn't mince words when he was in this private meeting. In the newly published transcript, he made these remarks with Portuguese Catholics. I want you to listen to this piece from Alex Salvi. Alex Salvi's with Newsmax TV. He's reporting live from Rome. And he's going to talk exactly about how the Pope is teeing off on conservatives in the United States. Pope Francis is putting his conservative colleagues on blast, accusing bishops in the United States of acting with backwardness. The pontiff making the comments in a private meeting with Portuguese Jesuits in Lisbon earlier this month, with the Vatican publishing a transcript of the remarks on Monday. The Pope stating, quote, the vision of the doctrine of the church as a monolith is wrong. I want to remind people that backwardness is useless, and they must understand that there's a correct evolution in the understanding of questions of faith and morals. His words appear to be directed at a group of conservative U.S. Catholic bishops, which often argue that the pontiff does not take a strong enough approach on issues such as abortion, divorce, or same-sex couples. The exchange building on divisions inside of the church, one where traditionalists found support in the leadership of Pope St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI, as progressives now see an ally in Pope Francis. Several points of contention will come into play when church leaders debate reforms at the October Synod, with Pope Francis suggesting that a greater role for women and LGBTQ people will likely be an outcome. The church is open to everyone. Then there are rules that regulates the life within the church, and someone who is inside and follows the rules cannot administer sacraments. This does not mean it's closed. Everyone meets God in their own way within the church, and the church is a mother, and it guides everyone in their own way. 
The Pope has previously acknowledged criticisms levied against him by conservatives, once saying it was an honor to be attacked by Americans. But for many members of the church, they're in a state of uncertainty as to whether those complaints will be heard or ignored in an effort to expand the reach of the church over the coming months. The issue? Saying that they've replaced their faith with their political ideology. Now, look, I don't know um, why he feels that way, and I guess that can be misconstrued one way or the other way. But as the Catholic National Reporter uh, put out in March, conservative Catholics in the United States have attacked Pope Francis over the last decade because they feel that there's a lack of clarity in, quote, articulating church doctrines on homosexuality, abortion, and the ability to maintain a marriage or the indissolubility of marriage. Now, Pope Francis, his statements uh, have opposed capitalism, the exploitation of capitalism, and he's gotten uh, criticism for that as well. This is an interesting uh, topic, right? Uh, I don't normally talk about the Pope, but very interesting. It's being reported in all the media. And of course, we're in the final week of August, going into the first week of September 2023, and this is uh, the, the ideal time to make a headline. If you want to make a headline, try it in August. Right? <laughs> There's always a lack of news. Everybody's on vacation. You're definitely going to get where uh, the, the notice that you're trying to get in August. But um, here's the quote. It says, you've seen that in the United States, the situation's not easy. There's a very strong reactionary attitude. It's organized and it shapes the way people belong, even emotionally. Pope Francis continued saying, Backward-looking is useless, and we need to understand that there is a more appropriate evolution in the understanding of matters of faith and morals. And he's noting that these concepts of morality change over time. That's his opinion, not mine. Now, I understand if you're a Catholic, you, you believe in the infallibility of the Pope. So if the Pope says that your morality changes over time, then you're supposed to believe that your morality changes over time. However... Jesus didn't say that morality changed over time. The Bible in the Ten Commandments, which is really where morality is dictated from, that doesn't say that this stuff uh, changes over time. So the Pope goes on to say, in other words, doctrine also progresses. It expands and consolidates with time and becomes firmer. But it's always progressing. Now listen, I understand that uh, with time, we become firmer in our understanding of doctrine. But the doctrine in and of itself doesn't change, right? Now, the Pope gave an example, and he said, to get into specifics, today it's a sin to possess atomic bombs. The death penalty is a sin. You cannot employ it, but it was not so before. As for slavery, some popes before me tolerated it. But things are different today. So you change. You change but with the criteria that we just mentioned. Now, listen, that's a good example. That slavery 200 years ago or whatever it was in the United States was legal. But whether it was legal or not doesn't mean that it wasn't sinful back then. When slavery was legal, they were doing something called buck-breaking. They were taking black men and raping them in front of their women and their children to emasculate them, to own them mentally. This is brutal, right? There's no way whether that was legal or not because of the systemic racism that the Democrats had imposed in, in the um, Jim Crow South and prior to the Jim Crow South, prior even pre-antebellum. But the bottom line here is just that. Morality's morality, irrespective of the law. 
Now, the Pope continued saying that those American groups that you're talking about are so closed, they're so isolating, they're isolating themselves. Instead of living by doctrine, by the true doctrine that's always developed and, and uh, bore fruit, they live by ideology. When you abandon doctrine in life to replace it with ideology, you have lost, and you've lost as you would lose in a war. And again, the Pope's entitled to say what he wants to say. I agree with him. We don't need ideologues. The problem here, I think this is a massive presumption that the bishops in America are, are ideologues. I mean, I think he should be the first one to realize that while he's in Vatican City in the Pope Mobile with, with a, his own personal army, and I'm not jealous of that. I'm saying I, I don't want to sound like I'm coming at him. I'm just saying he's isolated. He's an older man. He's not always in good health. He doesn't get to travel everywhere. And we're here in the United States where everybody with purple hair thinks that you're wrong and that they're right where they believe that children should be able to decide what gender they are, but they can't decide if they can drink alcohol, they can't decide who they're going to vote for, they can't decide to drive a car before 17, but yet at 11 or 12, you know, you can't drive, but you can figure out what your gender will be for the rest of your life. Isn't that a fascinating concept? I mean, really, it's just fascinating to me. So this is where we are, and this is why the Pope is coming under attack. The Pope is, seems to be weighing in on, on debate as if he were an innocent bystander when he's actually stirring the pot, in my opinion. Now, listen, if you're Catholic and what I'm saying offends you, you have my apologies. I don't intend to, to offend your God. I do intend to offend those that are in leadership within the church, irrespective of whatever church they belong to. I don't, and I'm not here to offend them, per se, but I don't care if they get offended. I'm here to call out what I see. And this, to me, doesn't look fair. So, Pope Francis, I say, shame on you. I mean, you're free to have your opinion, but shame on you for shaming these Catholic bishops in America for trying to stand up for marriage and the family. I think it's nonsensical. That's where I land on this. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about Joel Baboso Biden, the president of the United States. Uh, we're going to talk about 2024 as well. After the debates, what happened? What's going on? Vivek Ramaswamy, his poll numbers seem to be going down. Does that have anything to do with his career as a hip-hop artist, as a rapper? I don't know, but we're going to listen to him rap as well. Plus, James O'Keefe has some explosive video, and we've got the audio of it from police actually assisting the murder of the First Amendment right in New Jersey public schools. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, so we're going to take a look at what's going on. Now, as you know, I, I've taken off a little bit of time for the summertime. Hope, hopefully you are doing the same as well. And listen, you know, when you're on the radio, the FCC prevents you from drinking any type of uh, alcoholic beverages and whatnot because you can't broadcast and drink at the same time. Even though the Surgeon General, not the Surgeon General, but the, uh, the head of the alcohol division of the USDA, I think that's what it is, Dr. Koob, 
He says, you're only allowed to drink two beers a week. But I submit to you that I am enjoying a glass of Malbec, Argentinian wine, because I am podcasting right now, which is not broadcasting. So there's the loophole and the caveat, and I'm happy to do it. So cheers to you. Salute. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on, because uh, all of us have been enjoying the summer. Obviously, we had a debate, and the debate was interesting for some people. Most people were watching Trump uh, with Tucker Carlson. That's always interesting to see what uh, El Trompito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, has to say. But another thing that's interesting is all of the back and forth there was. And Vivek Ramaswamy, his poll numbers seem to have tanked uh, following the debate. And I wonder if that had to do anything with his freestyling, with his rapping, his uh, attempt at uh, being a hip hop artist. Of course, I'm kidding. I actually thought it was actually pretty cool. And uh, I was in, it was enjoyable to hear, you know, uh, no, nobody else is talking about rap or hip hop. So I give him kudos for that. But he was on Fox and Friends and on a couple of other programs. And I think at the Iowa State Fair when he started rapping on stage, which, again, I got to give him credit. Do you think Joe El Baboso Biden, right? Do you think, hey, come on, I got hairy legs. Do you really think Joe El Baboso Biden's going to drop a freestyle and start rapping? I don't think so. But listen to Vivek Ramaswamy bust out into freestyle at the end of this interview. Check it out. Somebody has uncovered uh, in college, you were, I've seen the video, you were a libertarian rapper. Explain that, Mr. Ramswamy. <laughs> well, look, they, I, the things they're digging up, they're going deep. And I have to say, some of these opposition research stories are false, but I will confirm that one is true. I was a little bit of a libertarian freestyler in college and had some fun with it. Do you That's remember accurate. any of that rapper? Do you have some freestyling to do today, Vivek? Well, it's not like a kind of thing you remember, right? You just sort of you just say what you're inspired to say. So, you know, I, I like to, that's kind of what I'm doing on the campaign trail in some sense is freestyling my message. All right. Very good. You, 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 go ahead. You want to join us on the campaign trail? You know, you want to join us on the campaign trail? You can do that. Except I, I often open up. I say my name's Vivek. It rhymes with cake. It ain't about thee. It is about me. It is about thee. The United States is about liberty. So Fox and friends, join us on the trail. We'll have some fun. I'll see you at the trail. Very nicely done, sir. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, listen, I actually enjoyed it as well. I thought it was funny. Uh, I think it added a little charm. Uh, it softened his... Uh, and again, he's already a pretty affable guy. Despite my disagreement with him on certain things, he's a pretty... Uh, I should say a really good... Not a pretty good. A really good communicator. So I had Vivek Ramaswamy on my radio show, and it was uh, it was an enjoyable conversation. He's really an affable guy. He's a really strong communicator. And you should check it out. If you get a chance, go to richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com if you want to check out my one-on-one -on -one with Vivek Ramaswamy. But uh, he seems to be not doing as great in the polls post-debate. I don't know if it was the rapping. Uh, I don't know if it was his comments. There were things he said that I'm the only person on a stage that's not bought and paid for. There's a lot of comments that he made, and I'm sure you've seen the debates already. Uh, I don't want to relive the past, but I do want to just point out these poll numbers. There's a recent poll uh, following the Republican debate and his uh, favorability rating has gone down a couple of points while his unfavorability rating has increased by seven points. So not good, no bueno for Vivek Ramaswamy. The, the poll conducted by Morning Consult showed an increase in Ramaswamy's unfavorability rating in surveys of nearly 800 potential Republican primary voters before and then after uh, Wednesday's debate, the first debate in the cycle. Pretty interesting stuff. 
The um, first survey was conducted on August 19th and 20th. The second survey was conducted on August 24th through the 27th. So just a few days ago. Now, before the debate, Ramaswamy's unfavorability rating was 12%. But the post-debate survey showed it spiking up to 19%, a notable increase outside of the four percentage point margin of error. Now, listen, I still think he's an affable guy. I just think people realized in some of the things that he said that he's a center-right kind of guy, right? He's not a a hardcore conservative. He's a libertarian, uh, as he's by his own admission. And I think people hear him say certain things and they're like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I like this guy. And that's okay. You're allowed to like people like that. You know, Jesse the Body Ventura is a libertarian and and very popular. Doesn't mean that we're all going to become libertarian tomorrow. I think some people prefer to be libertarian because it's, you know, they feel like it's, they can be conservative on some issues and liberal on others. And, and hey, if that's your speed, go for it. But it's not one of the two major parties. And I think there's a reason for that. People just don't really fall in that camp that way. But all that aside, this is where Ramaswamy's at. So again, was it the rapping? I don't know. I think it had a lot to do with his answers. Meanwhile, today, earlier today, uh, which is Thursday, the 31st of uh, uh, excuse me, August, wishful thinking, right? I think it's fall already. Trump came out and said that um, Ramaswamy was um, was a formidable person and he would he would be on a short list for VP candidates. And that was a comment that he made on Truth Social. So we'll see how that pans out. Uh, again, I am not sold something that Chris Christie said. And again, um, there's a lot of things that Governor Christie says that I don't agree with. But there are many things that he says that um, in the past, but mainly in this debate. And the governor calls him out for being a skinny guy with a funny last name. Check this out. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing stage tonight. Give me a hug just like you did to Obama. The same type of amateur. And and you'll help elect me just like you did to Obama too. Give me that The same type of amateur. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So again, Governor Christie shots fired at Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy claps back and he says, he's like, yeah, come give me a hug just like you hugged Obama. And of course, we know when the famous picture of Christie hugging Obama in that video went viral and really was, uh, I think, the nail in the coffin for him where he was thinking of, uh, I think, behind the scenes, thinking of challenging Romney in a run for president. Uh, that all went out the window. And I don't think he ever recovered from that. It was Bridgegate. It was the Obama hug. That stuff really tanked him. And there was a, a vote uh, where he signed into law a piece of legislation that passed both houses. And again, as governor, you have the right to veto. But I feel like he wasn't going to veto something that came through through both houses and came through with such support. Um, but I think conservatives would have loved to have seen him veto uh, a, a gun-adjacent law. It wasn't an anti-gun. Uh, it wasn't anti-constitution. It wasn't a, uh, a gun control bill, in my opinion. It had something to do with like assault weapons or whatnot, and not AR-15s. But a- anyway, uh, it, I agree it, it should not have happened, but I understand why he decided to sign it. And ultimately, I'm not an apologist for Chris Christie. I did work for him, and I was served in his administration. But there are things we disagree on, and I think there are things we agree on. Ultimately, I think we agree on this. I don't know Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't think you know Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't think anybody really knows Vivek Ramaswamy. 
And it's going to take time to get to know him and to build that trust so that we can have that type of relationship. Anyway, we're going to continue the conversation, find out what happened with Mitch McConnell, Mitch the Turtle, you see, Mitch the Turtle McConnell, you see. Mitch Turtle McConnell, the Senate minority leader, he um, froze. It looked like a grand mal or type of uh, myoclonus type of seizure. Uh, there's all sorts of seizures where you freeze up and your eyes just become locked. And clearly that's what happened to him. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, afterwards. Uh, plus, James O'Keefe, the founder of O'Keefe Media Group, famous guerrilla journalist, he has video where he confronted a teacher who called the cops on him and said, there are some people here that look Trumpish. They look Trumpish. And, and literally called the police and tried to put him in jail. So I think that's absolutely uh, crazy. And what the cop says is pretty crazy in and of itself. So you don't want to miss that as well. Uh, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And speaking of El Trumpitos and all this Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, I want to uh, direct your attention to something that he said on Thursday, the 31st of August. And he put out a video message on Truth Social saying that the indictments spearheaded by Joe Biden and his administration and those that he uh, leads in the Department of Justice should be viewed as con uh, contributions to the Biden campaign. I love it. Not only is it election interference that the Democrats and are using their political power by way of the FBI, by way of uh, every law enforcement agency that they have going into the, these um these indictments, whether it's the New York City prosecutor or the Fulton County prosecutor in Georgia, they're all working in concert to make Trump look like the biggest criminal on the planet. And I know some people listening, Rich, it's a shame. Why are you so naive? He is the biggest criminal. No, he's not. Come on. You know, the whole orange man bad thing has to stop. Trump is not the biggest criminal on the planet. If anything, I think he's probably one of the nicest guys that knows what's going on. And and he just um, he calls him like he sees him. And there's just not enough people that are willing to understand that New York mentality or, you know, that that Queens bravado that he brings to the table and, and to really just get it and to take a, a, a good look at this. So anyway, Trump puts out this video message today and he says that this has to be looked at as a campaign contribution. Check this out. These crazy indictments against me should be viewed as campaign contributions to crooked Joe Biden and his radical left thugs. This will be their updated form of cheating and election interference. Remember, these are Biden indictments. They're not pure and simple. They're not coming down from heaven. These are indictments made up by Joe Biden and the people that surround him, mostly the people that surround him. He's got a bad group. They're thugs. They're radical left fascists. They're Marxists. They're communists. They have the worst people. But these people, made these indictments. So when they say, oh, Donald Trump is going to court. No, no. We're going to court to fight a crooked system, a corrupt system. And Democrats better be careful what they wish for, because this kind of thing can happen to them. And it can happen very quickly. 
Oh, shots fired, el trompito. This type of thing can, and it can happen very quickly. Listen, I love it. I love it. Uh, that's the stuff that gets all of my conspiracy friends riled up. They're like, "Yes, he's coming after him. He's going to use the, mili- the U.S. military. He's going to use the uh, military tribunal system. They're going to try all the bad guys as 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 domestic terrorists, as treasonous." And listen. Fantasy football is great, even when you play it in politics. The problem is when it doesn't happen, what do you do when you make all these crazy predictions? So I hold my breath, but I've heard there's uh, recordings of Biden. There's this, there's that, there's every, we got it all, we got it all. I say, you got so much evidence against Biden that his son is free, he's free, and you got Trump that's literally getting booked. Come on. We, we can't believe all the hype we hear in, in the uh, social media world and with, um, with, from our critics. You really have to just take it for what it is, see the truth for what it is, and do what you have to do, right? Because Trump is a a perfect example of how you fight back. And that's how you do it. Simple. You fight back and you do what you got to do. Now, of course, while you're fighting back, that's never the end of anything. That's the beginning of things. Because your critics like Joy Reid on MSNBC, she, um, she says that Fox News is so creatively racist that she's almost impressed with their racism. I mean, talk about talk about just crazy when, when you think about this. Check this out. The idea that black people, simply because he was arrested, are going to gravitate toward him, I actually, you know, it's almost so creatively racist that I'm almost impressed that they have all come up with this. And on Fox, this is their new talking point. They think black people like criminals... And that's what they think of black folk. They even think Atlanta is a giant criminal stew of, 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 of the hood. And therefore, any mural in Atlanta has got to be pro-Donald Trump and has got to be black people lining up to praise him. It's what they think of black people, the reason that they can't get black people to vote for them. Joy Reid is, is so crazy in this analysis. Uh, first of all, I, if you look at things accurately and fairly, you would see that Donald Trump has been peeling away layer after layer of the black vote, and he's stealing it right from the Democrats. Right, The Republicans have never had a, a, a domineering position with, with black voters. But lo and behold, El Trumpito, he's doing his thing. right? And the reason he's doing his thing is because we've heard it time and again. People are tired. They're tired of losing money. They're tired of being embarrassed. They want to be able to do what they've got to do and realize, look, I, I don't want to go through all this drama. Let's just, you know, have a fair, uh, fair, fair fight here. But we're not having a fair fight. That's where we are. So it's really, it's, uh, it's a shame and it's lamentable, but that's where we are. We're going to come back and talk about Joe El Baboso Biden. And, of course, Mitch the Turtle McConnell. Mitch McConnell, you sure. Don't go anywhere. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I am the aforementioned handsome Rich Valdez. That's right. I have the best head of hair in late night talk radio, six years and running. Also was recently nominated for a People's Choice Podcast Award. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a decision from the People's Choice Awards and find out if I won or not. Either way, I will uh, continue to celebrate the nomination, but uh, I just wanted to put that out there. And of course, if you're missing our late night radio show that's live and national, we're literally on the air in Hawaii, we're literally on the air in Alaska, we're literally on the air in New York. 
I mean, literally, from one part of the country straight to the other. And uh, I hope that you could join us. You can listen live anytime from anywhere in the world. Go to the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com is where I'd love for you to go. And earlier in the week, Joe El Baboso Biden had a lot to say, and he did a lot of things. But his buddy, a good buddy of his named Mitch the Turtle McConnell, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell, uh, the Senate minority leader, had a um, an episode of freezing about a month ago. Again, he wasn't cold. He just froze up and he couldn't respond. And people were alarmed. Hey, what's going on? You all right? So that happened. And then it happened again yesterday. And rightfully so, right? People are concerned. They want to know what is going on with our leadership, both in the Senate and from the state of Kentucky. Why is this not working? Why is it not happening? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I want you to hear what happened with uh, Mitch McConnell because he seems to be not working, right? He seems to be malfunctioning. And I think it's it's a real cause for concern when people ask you, are you running for re-election? And he just freezes and then goes, oh, you're all, you're all, you're all. And, and I'm not making fun of him. I'm just trying to add emphasis to the story here. It, it was unfortunate to watch. I feel badly for him, and I feel badly for America. Listen to this. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh, that's a... Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? There he says, ah, oh, okay, and he, and he walks away. And again, I'm not making fun of him. I know it sounds like it because I'm doing an impression of him and whatnot. I'm not making light of this. I went through this with my own family, with my own father. It's, it's a very difficult thing to watch somebody with a traumatic brain injury or a severe concussion go through these things where they were once large and in charge, and now they're just like, what, who, y'all, which way did it go, George? And again, not making fun of him. I'm just, maybe I'm a jerk, but I'm not doing it to insult him or his health in any way. I'm just trying to make a point that he's not fit for the job and you need to be fit for this job. Anyway, Joe El Baboso Biden weighs in and he says, oh, listen, I've known, I've known uh, uh, McConnell for a long time. That's my boy. Of course, that's your boy. And that's why he never does anything against you. That's why he'll never vote to impeach you because that's your boy. But irrespective of all that, Joe Biden was at the um, FEMA headquarters having a very little understanding, at least he claims to have very little understanding of what it's like to deal with a neurosurgeon. Listen to this. Spoken to Leader McConnell? Yes, I have. I spoke to Mitch. He's a friend. Uh, um, and I, uh, I, I spoke to him uh, uh, today. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he was his old self on the telephone. Uh, and uh, having um, a little understanding of uh, dealing with uh, neurosurgeons and people and one of the leading women in my staff, her husband's a neurosurgeon as well. It's not un at all unusual to have the response that sometimes happens to Mitch when you've had a severe concussion. It's part of, a, it's part of the recovery. And so I'm confident he's going to be back to his old self. 
I'm also I'm hopeful that he recovers. I don't want him to be in the Senate. I hope he retires and then re- and he gets better and he just raises dogs on a farm somewhere and you know say la vie. But um, listen, Joe El Baboso Biden coming to the the rescue and doing the cover up isn't a good look. Honestly, it's not a good look. Maybe it is for some. I think it makes him look even more weak. Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Chime in online at Rich Valdez with an S on uh, all of the social media at Rich Valdez with an S. And look, I want to always remind you that we, we have to know what's going on. We have to be brave. We have to do things uh, like James O'Keefe, right? James O'Keefe has done plenty in his career. And he rolled up at a school, got some video of the teachers complaining about him, calling the cops on him for asking questions. And ultimately, they, they said that in the report, because they got the police body cam footage, that the people seemed to be MAGA-ish or, or Trumpish. excuse me. They're Trumpish. And you know what? He's got a, a short clip that he texted me last night. I'm going to play it for you. It's about two minutes long. Check this out. On August 8th, during the school board meeting, the Livingston school board officials calling the police on citizens because they don't recognize them. It's just- so from what I understand, there's some extra support. There's people that aren't using your usual Ex- watchers, exactly. Right. There's like people that come to the meetings. It's new faces that you've yeah, never seen before. Never seen before. Executive Assistant Tony McLaughlin talking to police officer Pansione in Livingston, New Jersey, who's wearing the body camera. What's your name? Uh, officer Pansione. Pansione. Okay. They apparently forgot that the body camera was recording over 40 minutes of conversation back and forth as they compare O'Keefe Media Group citizen journalists to Antifa. Um, my name is Charles Hudson, and um, I am calling to see if I could request um, a police presence at the Board of Ed. Now, we caught up with Tony McLaughlin as she was arriving to work on Tuesday. It's a very revealing interaction. My name is James O'Keefe. Are you Tony McLaughlin, the assistant superintendent of the school? I am. You did call the police on us. We have body cam footage of you. This is you on, on the police footage. Trumpish. Um, you said that there's some, quote, Trumpish people. They're different looking. They look Trumpish. <laughs> what did you mean by Trumpish at the school board meeting? Um, I no, don't feel like commenting now. You've commented quite a bit. There's, a, there's 45 minutes of video from the police officer here in Livingston okay. of you okay. saying that you were, quote, intimidated by citizens showing up at a school board meeting asking questions. They look shady. Like, yes, hey, they, 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 like, they definitely look like there's something up. Not like a Livingston parent, like what definitely, to do. Definitely, definitely not. Academy. Yeah, they, they, they videotape. They, I think there's more like intimidate and, you know, stir the pot. What is intimidating about citizens showing up at a school board meeting talking about diversity, equity, inclusion? I did not know what the, what the citizens were going to talk about. Okay. They were not living. Usually we have people commenting on um, items on the agenda. So why did you call the police? Because I was directed to do so. She was directed to do so. So again, here we have it. They're calling the cops on parents that they don't like, right? Listen, I I am a school board member. Um, I have been for many years. I stopped for a little while and I'm back again. And I can tell you that we don't have the right to, to call the police to get rid of somebody just because we don't like what they're saying. It's got to be that there's some sort of, uh, we, there might be a threat, there's a disturbance of the peace, something to that effect. But you can't just say, look, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like the fact that you're asking me questions about your kid's education or what's going on in this community when we're in a public meeting that has to be advertised 
through something called the Open Public Records Meeting Act. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. In order to have a school board meeting, you have to announce it, right? It has to be, I think they call those the sunset laws or sunshine laws, excuse me. Why would we not pay attention to what they have to say as a member of the community, right? I mean, it's one thing to be vigilant and fair and this and that. It's another thing to just say, oh, you're James O'Keefe. I know what you're all. It's all on tape. They've got it all on the police body cam. So this is unexcusable. And kudos to James O'Keefe for doing such great work, you know, working with the right people. And um, I, I'm just shocked. I'm just shocked at the whole thing. I know I should be disappointed but not surprised, but I really am. Livingston, New Jersey is a nice neighborhood. I've got friends out there. I did not see something like this coming. Anyway, folks, hasta la próxima. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to stand there and do nothing. So now's your chance. America needs you more now than she's ever needed you before. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.